chapter 1. All right, Daniel chapter 1. All right. All right. If you got a sheet on your table, uh, you can check that out. But Daniel chapter 1, talking about the book of Daniel tonight. Really trying to keep it one book, uh, one book a week. Uh, that's my goal. That's my desire. Uh, but it's got, as you see, 12 chapters, 11, uh, 357 verses, 11,602 words. Our author is Daniel, hence the book of Daniel. And uh, the events cover about 73 years. If you go from Daniel 1 to Daniel 12, you're covering about 73 years, approximately 606 B.C. to 534 B.C., according to Usher's dates. So you're not, they're not by 606 to 534 is the span of the book. Uh, again, that's not uh, that's not Bible. That's that's uh, Bishop Usher's dates, but you know they're pretty good to go by. Uh, they're better than the dates you'd come up with. Uh, so, um, and let's look at a little bit about Daniel. Daniel one one says, "In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it." So, like Ezekiel last week. Daniel was carried into Babylon during one of Nebuchadnezzar's invasions. Daniel was taken during the first invasion. Now, this is hard to prove from the scripture, but it is believed that it is believed that Daniel was 16 years old when he was taken into Babylon. Who's 16 here, right? Olivia's 16, right? All right, 16 going on 17, right? So, And my daughter is 16. Hi, Adriana, right? You were out of my line of sight there, okay? Um, but anyway, um, 16 years old, he's taken, imagine that, carried out of your home, carried out of your country, carried to a foreign land full of all the idolatry and wickedness that Babylon was, was known for and tried to impose upon these kids. Now, this is eight years before Ezekiel. So Daniel's kind of like in the first wave, and then eight years later, the second wave comes in and carries Ezekiel. And then the third wave later on just completely burns Jerusalem to the ground. Now look at verse 21 of chapter 1. Look at this. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. That's a long time. He's taken at 16, and he spends his whole life living a godly life in an ungodly nation around ungodly people. Right? Imagine how impressionable you are at 16 and were at 16. I was 16 once. I mean, imagine being ripped into a pagan country and Daniel lives this amazing example of a life in an ungodly land. Go to Ezekiel chapter 14. Let me just show you how, how high God holds Daniel up. Look at Ezekiel chapter 14. To the left a little bit. Just want to talk a little bit about Daniel as a person before we jump into some of the text. Look at Ezekiel 14, 14. Look at Ezekiel 14, 14. Look at the Lord says of Daniel. The Lord says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Man, and he says it again in verse 20, right? Though Noah, Daniel, and Jacob, a Job were in it. Listen, the Lord holds Daniel up. As an example of righteousness, Noah, Daniel, and Job. God says, these three were righteous. Wouldn't you like to be in that number? Yeah. Noah stood against the, the world. Daniel uh, stood against the flesh. And Job stood against the devil. And they're just three great examples of people. But Daniel's one of them. And if you go to chapter 28, if you want to just flip to 28 of Ezekiel, 28 of Ezekiel, look at verse 3. Now he, he's talking to the to the uh, to the prince of Tyrus there. He's starting to talk to like Satan and, and, and that evil spirit in these leaders. And look what he says to the prince of Tyrus. He says, 28:3, Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. So Daniel is not just held up as an example of righteousness, he's held up as a standard of wisdom. Where he tells this spirit that's inside this man, he's speaking to the devil, and he's saying, yeah, you're wiser than Daniel, but I mean, I guess when God looked at all of mankind, he said, you know who's the wisest one? Daniel. And you're wiser than Daniel. Don't forget that the, that the devil has got a wisdom. Right? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't charge hell with a squirt gun, right? He's, he's wiser than Daniel. But here he is, this young boy, 
taken in at 16. God holds him up as a standard of righteousness and a standard of wisdom, and he's living in Babylon, which is a cage of all kinds of foul birds and miserable spirits and evil. I ask myself as I think about Daniel, what's your excuse for not living godly? Is, oh, you know how it is, and how America is, and how the culture is, and we live in the metropolitan New York area, and it's so wicked. Yeah, what's your excuse? Amen. Daniel was living in ground zero, a cesspool of sin and unrighteousness, with types of antichrist all around him, and he made it his whole life, and he came out pretty clean. He's probably one of the, a great type of Christ. I mean, you got Joseph is up there as probably the best, and Daniel's... Daniel's not too far behind. Daniel's one of the great men of the Bible. He made some mistakes. He let you know, Nebuchadnezzar bow down to him, and that was foolish. But you know, he's pretty good, Daniel. He's pretty good, and he made it pretty good. And you and I could, could take a lesson from that. Now, Daniel gets elevated. I don't know what I was going to write on the board. I'm just so happy to be moving. I want to write on the board. But uh, Daniel was a public servant. I mean, he did have a public presence. But Daniel was really a, big, a prophet of God. And really, uh, he has some of the most important prophecies in all the Bible, but possibly in the book of Daniel. I mean, in Daniel chapter 2, you got that Nebuchadnezzar dream where he's got that image, right? That gives you right there the whole times of the Gentiles. You understand that? I mean, you take that in, that head of gold and that chest, those breastplates of silver and that brass and those legs, right? That is all of the Gentile kingdoms forecast through Daniel unpacking this image and this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. That is a huge prophecy, those kingdoms laid out like that. And then you get to Daniel 7, and Daniel 7 is another big one. Daniel 7, because now we got the four beasts. And these are the four beasts. This is looking back, right? Times of the Gentiles are looking back, but the four beasts are starting to look ahead to the kingdoms that are going to come before the Antichrist. These are the kingdoms leading up to the second coming, right? And then you get to the maybe. Maybe my pastor used to teach this, and I, I think I would agree with him. That Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, is the actual timing of the Messiah. I'm not going to read that all, but if you want to look at those verses, Daniel 9, 24 to 27, it actually gives you the timing of when Messiah would show up. So much so that I'm imagining that those wise men of the East right. were probably reading the prophecies of Daniel because Daniel nailed it down and said he's going to come this many years and this much time. I mean, that's a precise prophecy. Very, very important prophecy. Now go to, go to Matthew chapter 24. See, is Daniel inspired scripture? <laughs> yeah. Jesus said so. Look at Matthew 24, look at verse number 15. Jesus Christ is talking about coming back. He's talking about the Antichrist. He's talking about all this stuff. And he says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So Jesus Christ affirms that the book of Daniel is inspired scripture. He says, when this happens, just like Daniel, he talks about in Daniel chapter 8, the abomination that makes desolate. He talks about this figure is going to walk into the temple and bring a sacrifice that God says is just, uh, and he says, when you see that, run for the hills. Because when that happens, whoo, he goes, I'm ready to split the sky and pour my wrath out. He goes, just don't even go get your stuff. Leave your iPhone inside your house. Don't even turn back. Remember Lot's wife, he says, don't even turn back. Get out of there. I'm bringing the smack down. Right? He says, Daniel wrote about that. Daniel wrote about that. And um, a lot of people say that that was historically fulfilled, that abomination to make a desolate when, when uh, Antiochus Epiphanes brought like a pig into the temple as to kind of thumb his nose at the Jewish God. But it's going to happen in the future when the Antichrist does something and brings something into that, that temple that God just says, that's it, that's it. Go to Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Verse 62. Matthew 26, 62. And they're trying Jesus Christ now. Now, not only did Jesus Christ affirm that the book of Daniel is inspired scripture, but Jesus Christ uses Daniel's prophecy to confirm his own identity. 
When they're interrogating him in Matthew 26, it says right there in verse 62, And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. That is a prophecy from Daniel chapter 9. And in verse 65, you see they knew exactly what he was talking about. So Jesus Christ, when he's being confronted about who do you think I am, who am I? He reaches back to Daniel. Go to Daniel chapter 7, you'll see it. Am I making sense so far? Amen. Daniel chapter 7. Chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Verse number 13. Here's what Jesus Christ was referring to. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So that's what Jesus Christ is quoting when he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when it talks about the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, those guys who knew their Bibles knew exactly what he was talking about, knew exactly what he's referring to, and that's why they tore their phylacteries and said, what further need have we of witness? Doth not this man speak blasphemies? Crucify him, crucify him. Now go to Daniel chapter 2. So for that reason... Jesus Christ is pictured as the Son of Man, right? That's, that's his title, the Son of Man, because that title is taken from, really, in the book of Daniel. He's called the Son of Man, right? So we're going to picture him as the Son of Man in this book. Now, here's a key verse for the book, Daniel 2.22. Daniel 2.22. Right? This is a great verse. 2.22. Daniel speaking. He of God, he revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. God revealed things to Daniel. God is a revealer in the book of Daniel. You know what? God reveals things to you too. Amen. 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 You know more than that world knows right now. Yes. Amen. Weren't people spooked yesterday? Yes. I had to go to Overbridge High School to drop something off for Christian and something like that. And you just say, they had that look in their eyes, you know. They start to see the sun look red, the moon look red. They're thinking like, blood moons, is this the end? This is so apocalyptic. As soon as it blows away, as it's continued to blow away, people forget all about it. But you and I didn't have anything to worry about. Amen. I knew it wasn't the end of the world. <laughs> My daughter might have jokingly asked me once, is it the end of the world? I said, no, 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 no. I, you know why? Because I know from my Bible that the moon turns to blood after the tribulation. That's right. And I know I'm not going through the tribulation. So when the dust particles make diffraction happen, where you see red, you know, you can look at the sun yesterday, right? We didn't, can't usually look at the sun, but you could have looked at the sun yesterday, right? When the when the dust particles cause that diffraction, which allow you to look up at the sun, it looks red. I'm not worried about you know locusts and the pit being opened up because I know that's all going to happen after the tribulation. And you know that. And much of the Christian world and definitely the lost world has no idea what I'm even talking about right now. Right? So, and here's the key message. So God's a revealer. He's revealed some things to you. You know who Jesus Christ is. You know Amen. where you go when you die. You know what life is all about. Amen. You know what, why the world is the way it is. You know why preachers are getting arrested in Pennsylvania outside parades. It shouldn't shock you. Right? They, Brian shared that with me, and I had seen it from somebody else. A guy was just doing what we do, just holding a sign. It wasn't a nasty sign. What was, remember what the verse was? You must be born again. You must be born again. And uh, I had the way the truth and the life. Heresy, that right? That you must be born again. I am the way, the truth, and life. And he's holding it outside a certain parade, a certain gathering. And I watched the video. He wasn't mean spirit. He wasn't screaming. He wasn't like gritting his teeth. He wasn't wishing ill on anybody. He was just being a presence for God. And a cop threw him against the wall and said, that's it, I'm done with you, and dragged him off. And God bless the United States of America. Right? So, um, anyway, you know why stuff like that's happening. Right? Now, anyway, the key message of the book, right? I have it written down, I'm going to write it down here. The heavens do rule. We'll look at the verse where that comes from in the book of Daniel, chapter 4. But the big idea of this book is that God is over all. Amen. I'm not going to use that word sovereign because I don't like it, but it's, 
If you like that word, meaning like God is just overall, God is providentially in control and working things after his own will, then amen. If that's what sovereign means, then I like it. But that, that idea that God is overall, praise the Lord. Amen. Basic breakdown of the book on your sheet is pretty simple. 1 to 6 is historical. 7 to 12 is prophetic. 1 to 6, Daniel is writing a narrative in the third person. 7 to 12, he's writing something more personal in the first person. In chapter in 1 to 6, you see all these things about the heathen being judged. 7 to 12, you see all these visions of the world and the everlasting kingdom being established. Now let's go to some big, let's go back to Daniel chapter 1. And let's look at some Bible pictures and some important truths in the book of Daniel. Shall we? Daniel 1. First picture. First picture. I got about four or five pictures here. First picture. Picture number one. A picture of the evil day. A picture of the evil day. You know, guys, you're all going to have your evil day. In fact, the Bible talks about evil days. Remember now thy creator in the days that I use while the evil days come not. You're not just going to get tried once. You're going to get tried again and again and again. You know, the devil departed Jesus Christ. What does it say? For a season. Right. He didn't leave him forever. We think that that time in the wilderness was the only time that devil was tempting your Savior. No, it says he departed him for a season. And he'll, he'll lay the heat on, and then he'll back off, and then he'll lay the heat. God will let the heat get laid on again. So you're going to be prepared for the evil day. And this is a great picture of the evil day in your children's lives, in your lives, in a young Christian's life. In verse number 4, Daniel is there, and Nebuchadnezzar wants him. He wants him and all his Hebrew friends. He says in verse where I want children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as that ability in them to stand in the king's palace uh, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. My brethren, the devil wants the best. He wants you. He doesn't care so much about the guy who is in the mission crawling up out of the gutter. He's already got them. He doesn't care about the lukewarm church. doesn't care about the lukewarm church. You know what he's aiming for? He's aiming for Christians like those guys, those Hebrew children that want to stand for God, that know some things like you guys. you got targets on your back. You know what he wants to give you? He wants to give you his learning and his tongue. Because if the devil gets your mind, he will get your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The things that you're thinking about, the things that you're filled up with, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. So if the devil can get enough of his world, enough of his understanding, enough of his thinking inside your heart, he's going to get you talking the way he wants you to talk. Verse number five. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. This, this king was willing to take his time and feed these kids enough of his junk that they would stand for him in the world. You see that? The enemy wants you to stand for him. Will you stand for God? It's not going to be overnight. He's just going to pour stuff in right. a little bit at a time. Right. That's why you moms and dads, you need to keep putting that salt in there a little bit because you got to counteract all the junk that's being put in there. You think church once a week you think a Sunday school teacher of 40 minutes a week or an hour a week is enough to counteract Amen. all the stuff they're getting Monday to Saturday? You're crazy. You're Amen. crazy. Amen. you got to be living that Christianity, talking about that Christianity. You know what God told the children of Israel? He says in Deuteronomy 6, I want you to, to, while you're walking with your kids and sitting down with your kids all the time, just be talking about the Word of God, living out the Word of God in front of them. Because that salt has got to get in there to counteract all the putrefying mess that the world is dumping on them 24-7, man. Right. Listen, we got some old school kids in here. We don't have any. No, but dude and ladies, you have no idea what's the mental onslaught that your young people are going through every day. It is not like when I was a kid 150 years ago. It, you know, you came home, you played a little bit of Nintendo, you watched DuckTales, and you played some kickball or something out in the street, you ate dinner, and you went to bed. Right. The stuff they're going through now, 20, from this little all the way to, like, this big, they are dealing with stuff, ideas, media, philosophy. It's just stuff is getting blasted at them. Right. 
You got to pray for your kids. You got to pray for our kids collectively and moms and dads and older Christians. You got to just put them under your wing and, you know, love on a little bit and make them know that they're the people you love the best and try to be a blessing to them, man, because they're out there. The world is blasting them 24 7. 24 7. You know how many Christians I've seen fold in my school? Right. How many Christians that are like going to churches that, you know, they profess Christ, they're just living like, like hell? I see it every day. Right? Verse number seven. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. You know what the devil wants you to do? He wants to change your name. He wants you to lose your identity. God gave Daniel a name. God is my judge. Right? Gave names like, uh, uh, forget these names, uh, Hananiah, God is gracious. Mishael, who is like God. Azariah, God is health. Those are the names that God gave to these Hebrew children. You know what the devil wants to do? Change them. Shadrach, Bel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what Belteshazzar means? That's what they want to change Daniel's name to. It means Bell's prince. You know what Shadrach means? Illuminated by the sun god. You know what Meshach means? Who is like Venus. You know what Abednego means? Servant of Nego, a false god. You know what he's trying to do? Change your identity. Do you know who you are in Jesus Christ? Amen. You know who you are? Amen. You're a Christian. Don't let them change your name. How successful the devil's been when we say, oh yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's not their names. It's Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. VeggieTales puts out a video, right? Shad, Mish, Mish, what is it? Shad, Mesh, and Benny or something Shad, like that. What is it? Shad, Rack, and Benny? Right? They, they changed the names. That's not the names. Nobody made the names uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. <laughs> Look at verse number eight. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the nine wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He made up his mind that I'm not going to partake, I'm not going to give in, I'm not going to fold, I'm not laying down. Have you made up your mind? Amen. Purpose means you've resolved. People around December 31st, right, they purpose. I'm going to lose those 10 pounds. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Have you purposed that you're not going to transgress by partaking of the king's meat? Verse number 12. You know what he wanted? He says, let us have some pulse and some water. You know what pulse was? Legumes, like lentils. You know, this guy, the Nebuchadnezzar was serving steak and like rack of lamb and probably like, you know, potatoes and gravy and like, you know, some delicious stuff, burgers right off the grill and all this good stuff, you know, fried chicken and maybe like, you know, spare ribs. You're really getting hungry now. I know, brother. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's what the devil, he's putting some good stuff out there. He said, I'll just, I'll just take a bowl of lentils. You know what happens in verse 15? And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh and all the children which should eat the portion of the king's meat. You know what that tells me? A little with God goes a long way. Because you know what that pulse is? That pulse is a picture of your Bible. The world is serving up philosophy. The world is serving up all kinds of delicious looking stuff. You know what God says? How about some sixth grade English? How about some, how about some songs and proverbs and Galatians? And how about some second chronicles? You're like, second chronicles? That's like lentil soup. And God says, you know what I could do with that? Little as much when I'm in it. Amen. Amen. So that's a picture of the evil day. It's a good reminder. Let's go to chapter 3. How about a picture of the Great Tribulation in chapter 3? I'm just giving you some pictures of the book of Daniel. Picture of the Great Tribulation in chapter 3. Look at verse 1. In verse 1 it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three square cubits. That's 60. It's a multiple of six. And the breadth thereof, six cubits. Wow. <laughs> All these sixes. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So we have an Antichrist in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. We have an Antichrist setting up an image with all these sixes, like the Antichrist sets up an image in Revelation chapter 13. It's a picture of the Great Tribulation. Verse number 2. And if you read 2 to 5, right? 2 to 5. I'm not going to read all these verses, but 2 to 5. You see what happens in 2 to 5? We have this Antichrist now commanding worship of this image. Not optional. You better worship this image. Everybody better worship this image is what he's saying. And in verse number 5, you're going to see what's connected to that worship. 
that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Music is connected to the worship of his image because Satan, as I said in Ezekiel, and I might have said it in other verses, Satan is a musician. And music is connected to moving you where he wants to move you. Like I said, like that Pied Piper of Hamlet, he just, he'll lead the rats right off a cliff. So be careful of what you're listening to. And verse number six, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Death for anyone who won't worship. He said, that's the spirit of this age. Think about this, folks. I have no idea why I took my glasses off. Think about this. Think about this. Why can't they just let you be? Why can't they just let you be? We're not hurting anybody, right? We're just sitting here in a library studying our Bibles. We just want to study our Bibles on Sundays. Why would they just let you be? Why would those folks in India or Pakistan... Or, or Saudi Arabia, or China, or Laos, or Cambodia, or Eastern, like far Eastern Russia by the Turkmenistans and all this stuff over there, or, you know, uh, Chiapas, Mexico, or Nigeria, or parts of like uh, parts of Central Africa where there's a strong Muslim presence. Why can't they just leave us alone? You can have the whole stinking country. Just, just let us be over here. Can't we just go to church and do our own thing? That spirit says, you all gotta play by my rules. That's the spirit of the devil. Why can't can't they just leave you alone? Right? You think about old Lot. Right? Lot's like, look, you can have everything else here. Take my daughters. No, we want we want those guys. Right? They just, they want your children. They want, they just, they will, that spirit of this world will not be satisfied till you're all bowing the knee to what I think is right. You see it there. In the tribulation, it's going to be full blown, right. where the where the persecution will be real. But that's just an amazing thing. I always think about that. Why can't you just leave us alone? But they can't because that spirit in them just wants total compliance, total obedience. Right? Obey. Right? Three twenty five. Three twenty five. See, God says obey, but God's obedience is willing submission. God's not looking to force you to obey. God doesn't want to twist your arm and make you get saved. Or twist your arm and make you love him. Because if he made you love him, John Calvin, then it wouldn't be love. You'd be a robot programmed to just feel a certain thing. I worship you, Father. You know. No, God says, whosoever will. Right? God, you want to love? Now, there's ramifications. If you don't want to do what God says, you will face the consequences. But you got a choice. Right? The devil doesn't want to give you a choice. The devil's kingdom is run by might and armed combat and military strength. People have to get their heads cut off. People have to be deprived of food in order to obey and line up with the Antichrist in his kingdom. Right. Haven't you seen glimmers of that in the last few years? That's the way your world works. Your world says, you know, if you want to do this, good for you. If you want to try this, great for you. No, the world says, you don't do it. You're not going to buy. You're not going to sell. Hey, man, we had it just a few years ago. Where you couldn't go into certain places. You couldn't do certain things if you weren't toeing the line. No, I'm not saying that was all wrong. But that's the spirit of the age, man. The Amen. spirit of the age doesn't want to give you free will, Amen. give you choice, give you autonomy over yourself. The spirit of the age wants to make you line up like a duck in a row, like a sheeple that could be used and manipulated to bow the knee forcibly to that monster called the Antichrist. Because there's a lot of people that are not going to bow the knee to the Antichrist. There's going to be resistance in the tribulation, and that monster is going to be roaming around trying to get everybody to bow the knee to him. Jesus says, bow the knee willingly, man. I bow the knee willingly to Jesus amen, Christ to you. Amen, amen. He is worth yes. bowing the knee to. Amen, amen. I want to bow the knee to him. I want to serve him. I want to love him better. I want to know him more. I don't need to be forced and compelled under threat of death to love him and honor and worship him. 
But that's how the devil is. That's what he's doing here. And you see in verse 25, see in verse 25, you want to see what happens. Now, they, we know the story, right? They get thrown in there. And Nebuchadnezzar sees it and almost loses his stuff. And he says in verse 25, he says, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. That's amazing. And the form of the fourth, that's a good four for you, right? Three and one is different. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Does your Bible say Son of God? It better say Son of God. If it's a King James Bible, it says Son of God. Not Son of the Gods, like some of the new versions say, but the Son of God. That's Jesus Christ in there. Now, please, the Son of God is with the faithful in the fire. Do you see that? Amen. Like he will be in the Great Tribulation. Do you remember what Jesus Christ told his Jewish disciples? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It says the Son of God is in the midst of them. There they are, three of them gathered together, and Jesus Christ shows up in the midst of them to comfort them in their tribulation. And it says in Psalm 91, I will be with him in trouble. God promised to be with his people in trouble. And doctrinally, that's a promise in Jacob's trouble. He'd be with them. And we could spiritualize that. I'm thankful that in my trouble, he's there. His spirit is there to help me as well. But that's a literal fulfillment. Now go to chapter 6. Let me give you another picture. i got two pictures left. Chapter 6 is a picture of the resurrection. Let me use this water. Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy, Daniel 6. Here's a picture of the resurrection. Notice in verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. Remember what Pilate said of Jesus Christ? Nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. There we see him, we see unrighteous men, leaders of the nation, Trying to find fault with a righteous man. Like the Jews did to Jesus Christ. And what did old uh, Pilate say? And having examined him, I find no fault in this man. They could find no fault in him. Those Jews had to find false witnesses to try to get Daniel. And he had to find, get Jesus. And he had to kind of do some kind of chicanery to try to get Daniel caught. They couldn't get him caught doing anything wrong. Verse 16, so we know the story. Daniel prays and he gets thrown in verse 16. 616 says, Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him, like they cast Jonah, like they cast Joseph, into the den of lions. Not the lions then, but the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Like God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Please notice, an innocent man is cast into a pit. Like Joseph is cast into a pit. Like the Lord Jesus Christ is cast into a pit. Innocent man by, un, by unrighteous men. Now go to 21. So they come out. He waits all night. He comes out to get him. 21. Then said Daniel unto the king. Uh, oh, let's go to 20. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God who now service continually able to deliver thee from lions? My, what a testimony Amen. Daniel must have had. Here's an unsaved pagan king that knew there's no way that this God of Daniel's is going to let this, this go on, let him get eaten by these lions. And he had such faith that when they took that thing off the hole of that pit, he calls out to him expecting to hear Daniel's voice. That is some testimony Daniel had. Would to God I could have a millimeter Amen. of a testimony Amen. like that. Amen. Where somebody can look at my life and just say, God is not going to let you down. You've been too faithful to him. Thank you, Lord. Man, did God deliver you from that? I don't even know who your God is, but did God deliver you from that? Woo! Amen. That's wild stuff right there. 22. 21. Then said, man, this must have been sweet. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. <laughs> My God has sent his angel, that is Jesus Christ again, and has shut the lion's mouths, and they have not hurt me. 
For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. A faithful man is delivered, like Jesus Christ is delivered by the Father. Jesus Christ went into that pit by faith. Because of the promise of his Father. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God the Father promised the Son that you go down there, you die for sins, you get cut off from the Godhead. I will raise you up and restore you and give you eternal life, Son. And Jesus Christ went to hell, went to the grave, went to the cross by faith, Amen. like Daniel believed in his God. Amen. 24, and the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. And watch this, then their children and their wives and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Please notice the judgment falls on Daniel's persecutors like God's judgment fell on Israel's leaders. They were the ones. What did Jesus say when he was walking to Golgotha? Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Because he knew the judgment of God was going to fall on this nation that was committing deicide, killing their God, or trying to anyway, and he says, the judgment's going to fall on you. And they accused Daniel falsely. And the judgment fell on them. Amen. 25 to 28. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Please notice that the resurrected man is exalted like Jesus Christ is exalted after his resurrection, like Joseph is exalted after he's taken out of prison. You see the types coming together? One last picture, Daniel chapter 7, right across the page. A picture of the beast. I knew I'd get some of your attention on that. (laughs) Not going to unpack all of this, because I don't understand all of it, but I understand enough. But in Daniel chapter 7, we got these four beasts. Verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the son of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens drove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, divers one from another. Please notice these four great beasts. They are four great kingdoms. You've got to get that. Verse number 12 gives it away. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Verse number 17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings. Okay? So these beasts are four great kings, four great kingdoms. They have dominion. Now, why is that important? Because in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. We think, well, what was he? Was he cattle? Yeah, I know he comes up looking like that. But God's telling you that beasts are connected to dominion and authority, and Satan is called the beast. That tells me that Satan had dominion and authority. Okay? Now go to Daniel 7, 17. Watch this. This is huge. I think think Larkin gets this wrong. Right? Because a lot of what a lot of guys do, good guys, guys a lot better than me, they connect these two. 
They connect the image of Nebuchadnezzar oh, wow. with the beasts of Daniel 7. And they try to line them up, make them the same. The head of gold is the lion. Mm -mm. Watch. Watch. 7.17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which, what's it say? Shall, Shall arise out of the earth. These kingdoms are all future at the time Daniel is speaking and writing this prophecy. How do I know that? Because in Daniel chapter 7 verse 1, he's, oh, he's, he's in Babylon now. Right? In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Daniel is having this vision well, Babylon is already a kingdom. So how could the first beast line up with Babylon? Babylon's not yet to arise out of the earth. Babylon was where he lived. Right. So, verse 4, Daniel 7, 4. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and we was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. That would mean... These beasts cannot match Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 2. That would mean that the lion lines up with Media Persia. Because that's the next king. Okay? Verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. That means the bear lines up with Greece and Macedonia. Verse 6. After this, I, uh, verse 6, after this I beheld and lo, another like a leopard. That means the leopard will be connected to Rome. That cat. <laughs> Holy cats, ma'am. Right? And verse 7, I stole that from somebody. Verse 7. That means 7-7, seven, seven, that fourth beast. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly and had great iron that's important daniel 2 touches on that uh, iron teeth it devoured and break in peace and stamped the residue with the feet of it and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had 10 horns okay that dreadful and terrible beast is the kingdom of the antichrist now let's pull it all together. This is just a little... I'm not going in deep here. I'm just giving you a little smattering for you to think about. I'm not going deep. I'm not going deep. This is an overview of the Bible. All right? Uh, if the Lord tarries and we do an institute, then we might one day get into the depth of this. I have some years to learn it then. But Revelation chapter 13. Let's look at the Antichrist kingdom. Wow. You know, the Antichrist kingdom is, is called a beast. Right. A beast that's going to rise up out of the earth. Daniel chapter 13. Verse 1. Isn't the Bible an amazing book? Yes, it is. Amen. Brethren, Amen. we are going to see this come to life Amen. more and more. It's, uh, my pastor Dean back in Staten Island said it many weeks ago, or he's been saying it, right? It's time to get serious. Amen. Doesn't mean you can't have fun. Doesn't mean you can't you know, go out to eat and enjoy vacations and stuff like that. But it's time to realize that this is not an academic exercise we're partaking in right now. Amen. I got to tell myself this stuff. This is not, you know, I'm not reading Kant or, you know, Nietzsche or Metzger or any, you know, or, or all these other philosophers and trying to figure out, you know, what is their take on the world? These are the words of the living God. Amen. And he told you beforehand what was going to know. So when it came to pass, you might believe that it, he, it is he, right? He told his disciples this. He says, I told you, he told them in the upper room, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so when it comes to pass, you might believe that I am he, right? Now, brethren, you and I need to know as much of this book as possible to help ourselves, help our family, help our friends, and be a light to the world around us. So none of us are caught unawares, because more and more, we're going to be seeing this thing come to life before our very eyes. Amen. If you're paying attention, it's coming to life. Listen. I'll step off of my soapbox. Revelation 13 talks about a global currency. Do you know how that much that is at the doors right now of your world? Yes. Do you know your federal government is going to launch the precursor to a digital currency this July called FedNow? It's like right there. Man, once the money goes, it's going to go. 
Once you start to have digital currencies, once you, we say, where'd that come from? What? The Bible told you 2,000 years ago there'd be a digital currency. You think 200 years ago when people are trading goats and livestock, they thought that one day we'd be all locked into the same currency? You think 100 years ago when some guy in Italy was doing lira and some guy in France was dealing francs and some guy in Russia was dealing rubles that maybe 100 years down the road the whole world would be doing some kind of CBD thing or whatever they call it, CBDC, whatever that, that abbreviation is, a crypto global currency. Central banking, CBDC, right? Some of you heard CBD and you're like, yeah, man, that stuff metals me out, helps me go to sleep. No, no, right? CBDC, uh, central bank digital currency. You think 100 years ago, some people, wow. The Bible told you 2,000 years ago. It's coming to life. I digress. Revelation 13, 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Having seven heads and <gasps> ten horns. Remember, the, remember Daniel 7 talked about ten horns on that last beast? Um, and upon his horns ten crowns, because they're kings. Those are the toes of Daniel's image in chapter 2. And I've never kissed his image in chapter 2. And upon his head, the, names of, the name of blasphemy. Okay? So the Antichrist kingdom is called the beast. Now, watch number, verse number 2. Remember our, remember our animals? And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Wow. You know why he's a leopard? He's like a leopard. Because that beast, that kingdom, whatever that thing is, it's a melting pot. <laughs> it's a melting pot. It's an animal that's got Shem, Ham, and Japheth represented on it. Black spots, Ham. Yellow, Shem. And white, Japheth. Got all the races represented, all the people groups represented in that. It's a melting pot that that leopard is. In verse number two, it goes on to say, "So the the beast is like a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear. That guy's going to move like a bear. You need to find out who the bear is and how that bear moves politically and devours much flesh and just takes over nations. Might be how this thing moves around." And then verse number two says he has a mouth of a lion. The first beast was a lion. The second beast was a bear. The third beast was a leopard. And then he says the kingdom is a leopard that moves like a bear and talks like a lion. You need to find out who that lion is and what language that lion speaks. Because you find out the language the lion speaks, that might tell you the language that your beast might be speaking. I won't venture that here. It's all speculation. But go back to Daniel chapter 7. Can I tell you what happens to this beast? Something that's a whole bunch of things mixed together that moves around and takes over stuff and talks like a lion. Very interesting, the good doctor said. Daniel chapter 7. Um, look at 13. So he's giving you these visions of these beasts, and it says in 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, Daniel 7, 14. And there was given him, Jesus Christ, dominion and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. Amen. Looking forward to it. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High Amen. shall take the kingdom Amen. and possess the kingdom forever, even Forever and ever. Hallelujah. So this beast gets beaten when Jesus Christ comes back and God's people get the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Forever and ever and ever. And you go on, you can see here the war is talked about here. The ten horns are talked about here. Those ten kings are talked about here. And um, verse 25, he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints. Tribulation. And uh, verse 27 
Uh, you see, the judge, verse 26, judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion to consume it and destroy it into the end. So here's your, your whole end times is talked about here. But the thing I wanted you to see, as great and mighty as this beast is, as much as we have tremble thinking about this kingdom of the Antichrist, Jesus Christ is going to whack them. Amen. And you're going to just move in. Amen. And you're not going to lose the dominion. You're going to be there living and reigning with him. So let me give you two big ideas from the book of Daniel. Go back to Daniel 1. Those are some pictures. Again, it's just an overview. Daniel 1. You know what number one? You know, you know a, big, uh, a big idea from the book of Daniel is? The book of Daniel reminds us that the Lord always blesses his faithful servants. Amen. Daniel going up and down and up. His, his friends are up and down. God always blesses his faithful servants. Amen. Will you and I be faithful? Amen. See, what will he bless us with? Look at Daniel. I'll give you one thing. He'll bless you with good success. That's one. See Daniel 1.9? Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Wow, that's, that's good. How about verse number 20? And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Didn't they eat pulse for ten days? <laughs> and God made them ten times better than everybody else. How about chapter 2, verse number 48? After Daniel describes Nebuchadnezzar's dream, then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and chief of the fathers over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Man, God gave Daniel some good success. Now, my future might be a jail cell for preaching the Bible. I don't know. But God will always give you good success if you follow him. Amen. I don't think anybody in here is going hungry. Amen. I don't think anybody here is lacking. Amen. God's taking care of you. Thank you. Hasn't he? Yes, Hasn't he? Amen. 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 You may not have the gold streets down here, but you'll have the gold streets up there. Amen. You know what he'll also bless his servants with? Look at chapter 2, verse 19. He'll bless his servants with God's secrets. What does Deuteronomy 29, 29 say? The secret of the Lord, right? Right? Oh, I don't want to mess it up. Dude, hold that place. Let me just get it real fast. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Ooh. Stay there. I'm going to read it because I'm, I'm, I'm mistaking it for a song. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed... Belong unto us. Amen. Amen. And I think I got no, no. Oh, uh, Proverbs 25 2. No, I don't want to do that. But the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant, it says in the book of Psalms. And look at Daniel 2 19. It says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. You know what Daniel did? He blessed the God of heaven. You know something about the Bible? Bless God. Amen. You know something about the future, end times? Eschatology. That's the fancy word for end times. Right? You know something about the future? You know something about prophecy? You know what? Bless God. Amen. You know what the meaning of life is from the word of God? Bless the God Thank of heaven. You, you, you know how to get to heaven? Bless the God Thank of heaven and tell Lord, somebody man. else. Tell your children. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. You know? We know so much. Yes. Remember Wayne Weckman? Wayne Weckman used to say back in Staten Island, you guys are feasting on filet mignon all the time. And I, we realized that. We came over here and you start, you know, you start talking to people on the street. You start talking to people at the fairs. Those of us that came out of a good church and good churches, right? We go, our home church in Staten Island was a good church and a good home. Best place we ever came out of, our home. Amen. You know what? We ate filet mignon there. And then you start coming out here like, man, people don't even know Jesus is God. They didn't know about eternal security. They don't know the things we took for granted for all those years. Right, right. I guess we're going to have to teach them. Yes, Lord. And that's what we're trying to do here. Just replicate, what, multiply what happened over there and just kind of teach that good doctrine. You know why? Because God shows us things. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God shows us things. Amen. He showed Daniel the future. And he showed you the future. Thank you, Lord. You know what your future is because God revealed it to you. 47 of Daniel chapter 2. The king answered unto Daniel 
and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Right? You know what the word of God is talked about in the book of Daniel? A dissolver of doubts. You know what you are supposed to be for people? A dissolver of doubts. You're supposed to tell people, now we might know everything. I don't know how many hairs are in the angel's armpit. I get it. But how do I get to heaven? I can tell you that. Amen. Do we have free will? I can tell you that. You know? What's the future hold for the lost? I can tell you that. I can prophesy that and tell you what can happen. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's what that man was trying to show, hold up on that sign. He must be born again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, I, I'm preaching to myself right now. Amen. We take for granted yes. how much we know. Yes. We know so much. And we get used to being among our own. And we get used to rolling with our own crowd where we know so much. And we know, yeah, Daniel chapter 7, Revelation chapter 3. Oh, he's probably going to that verse over there. We know all this stuff. And you forget that there's people out there drowning. Amen. They don't know anything. Amen. Who is God? What is he like? How do I get to heaven? Is there a heaven? What is sin? They don't know any of that. Is there even a God? And you've got all these jewels and diamonds at your fingertips. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah. And you know what the last thing he'll give you? We don't have to turn there, but in Daniel 3.25, he'll give you, he'll give his servants comfort. He gave Hananiah, Mizariah, and Ashiel, uh, Mishael and Azariah, you know what he gave them? Comfort. He showed up in the furnace with them. His presence was a blessing to them in tribulation, in trouble. That he'll give his faithful servants. You might go through some difficult things in life, and we could all say amen to that. You know what he'll do? He'll pour in some comfort. He comforts us in our tribulation, then we may comfort somebody else. And lastly, the second big idea, go to Daniel chapter 4. The second big idea and the last big idea, we'll go home on this thought. Get just three little verses here. The book of Daniel warns us against the awful effects of pride. The awful effects of pride. Daniel 4, Daniel gives a warning to Nebuchadnezzar. This is a great king, Nebuchadnezzar. Mighty king. I mean, the world basically was afraid of him. And in verse number, chapter 4, verse 30, the king now, he's walking around in his palace, a year later, after he got the warning. You know what happens when God warns you? You remember in the beginning. And then when you're okay, you forget. Right? 9-11 happened. Everybody was, was saying, God bless America. God bless this. God bless that. Everybody was taking the Bible. About a year later, Eli knows. Oh, man, how the, how the, how the tune changed. You know, people get a warning, and they, 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 they get a warning from God, and they take it seriously. But after a while, meh, meh. You know, you get yourself in trouble, God gets you out. Oh, I'm not going to look at that again. I'm not going to do that again. Then you start, meh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little this, a little that. And that's what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 30, it says, The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty, while the word was yet in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. You know what God does to Nebuchadnezzar? He drives him crazy. Amen. He's out there like a beast with his fingernails and his hair growing like a madman. You know why? Because pride will deceive your heart. And God let Nebuchadnezzar get humble. He was so high. And God brought him down to a beast. Why? Verse 37. Now I, now you know, he gets it back to him, he realizes, right? Seven years this happens to him, verse 32, until thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. His understanding returns in verse 34. In verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Amen, amen. Nebuchadnezzar got lifted up, and he almost lost everything, even his sanity. And God had mercy on him, and he remembered who God was, and he 
snapped out of it. God gave him back his reason. And he said, you know what? Bless the God of Daniel. Bless the God of heaven. I'm not going to forget that. But his son didn't remember that. Chapter 5, the giver's 22. His son takes the vessels out of the temple, the cups and the bowls, and he starts drinking his wine and clank. <laughs> let's have another round. Clink! You know, you know, cheers, let's eat, drink, and be merry, but tomorrow we die. And they're just throwing them back. Let's have another round on Belshazzar. And they're drinking. Then get the golden pots. Get those vessels we took from Jerusalem that my father had laid up. And they're drinking, having a good old time, proud, lifted up. It says right there in 522, And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of this house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is. You see that verse? The God in whose hand thy breath is. Amen. I'm all for taking your vitamins and taking your medicine and doing all that stuff, but you know what? You know what's really going to make you kick the bucket? When God just says, Amen. Amen. When he takes his spirit back, yes. that's when you drop. But until he doesn't take that spirit back, you're alive. Amen. And he's saying, you forgot, boy. You're sitting there thinking you're something else, Belshazzar. You forget that all I got to do is this. And you're just a dust ball animated by my grace and mercy. And all I got to do is just pull that breath back and you hit the deck. You're dead. You're nothing. He holds our soul in life. The Bible says, In whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. His son Belshazzar didn't learn, learn the lesson. He failed to glorify God. You know what would be really good for you and I to do? One day, when the air quality is better, go outside, go take a walk in a park with nobody around, and just start thanking God. Yes. Amen. Just start thanking God that he's alive, that he's good, that he's merciful, Amen. that he talks to you, that he cares for you, Amen. that he's your father, that he sent his son, that his son shed his blood, that he's long-suffering, that he's holy, that he thinks about you, that he's intimately connected with you, that he lives inside of you, that he's preparing a place for you, Amen. that he's got a purpose Amen. for you, that he's righteous, that he's holy, that he's everlasting, that you're going to be with him forever and ever and ever, that he gives you grace, that he gives you comfort, that he gives you friends, that he gives you a church, that he gave you his Bible. Just keep going all on and on and on. See if you run out. And when you hit 10, try to get to 15. And when you get to 15 blessings, try to push yourself to 20. And just when you think you ain't got nothing left to say, that's probably where the Holy Spirit will move in and you'll start bawling baby tears or something like that. You're like, no, Lord. You're that good to me. You're here in this room with us right now. You love me that much. You hear my prayers. You answer my cries. You bring me up out of the miry clay set my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. Amen. Give him some glory. Amen, amen. Give him some praise. Give him some thanks. Amen. His son Belshazzar did. He was feasting and never thinking about the giver. Just gobbling up the gifts. 425. Here's our last verse. We'll pray and go home on this. Here is the biggest idea in the book that's part of this, right? Here's what's going to keep us in check. 425. So this is the warning to Nebuchadnezzar, right? They shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave this stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do Amen. rule. Amen. You think it's geopolitics? You think it's Putin and Zelensky and Biden and this one and China 
and the G20 and the G9 and the G this and the G isn't that fun. Right? You think it's all these people and these movers and shakers and the Bilderberg and the Club of Rome and the Skull and Bones and this guy and the Illuminati and all these. You don't think it's all these. You think, you think it's the devil calling the shots. Right. God says, <laughs> he says, that's good, man. That's funny. I got to laugh out of that. God says the heavens do rule. Amen. What's going down here is a result of God moving things up there. One time Daniel was fasting and praying for an answer, and an angel showed up and said, I was up there, and we were fighting. I was fighting with this angel, and this angel was fighting with me. And he said, you think it's everything going on down here? It's all going on up there, man. What's going on up there is just reflected down here. They blew a damn up. You know, we think, oh, this is going to be world about this. But nothing is escaping God's control and God's power. All this, God says, I moved this one up, I moved that one up, I kicked this guy off, I put this one in power. Right. Because God's work, and you and I have to just take comfort Amen. that the heavens do rule. Amen. Not the elephants, not the donkeys, and not anybody in between. The heavens do rule. That's the theme of the book. Daniel bears that out. If Daniel could live for God amidst an ungodly nation and take comfort in the fact that even though I'm getting carried out of my home, even though I'm around these pagan pigs and they're trying to feed me their devil burgers and all that stuff that they're trying to do, even though all that stuff's happened, I can still live for God because God's in control. You and I, no matter what's going on, whichever way the winds are blowing, hopefully towards the ocean right now and get that stuff out of here, whatever way the political and social and stuff winds are blowing, you and I can live godly for God because you know what? The heavens do rule. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder.